Witchy Ways is a podcast about the journey to unlock the forgotten ways of being in a world that's long taught us to be separated from our bodies, our souls, the world around us, and the other than humans that we share it with. Welcome. I'm your host, Jacqueline Freeman. So I'm at a campground on the banks of the Mississippi. Um... There are mounds on the ridge here. It's called Deer Ridge, but there's a series of mounds that are right there on the ridge. Did some dancing around one of them yesterday, but my knee would only let me do one, so I'll go down there in a minute. I'm just finishing up my coffee and um, taking in the, the scenery. So you'll probably hear campground stuff happening behind me because that's wild podcasting, right? I'm not trying to control it. So, um, but yesterday, uh, I started really digging into um, Witches and Pagans. It's a book by Max Dashu. The subtitle is Women in European Folk Religion, 700 through 1100, um, Common Era. And... Um, I'm sure I've referenced this book before because I've been reading it for a while, but um, it has now become my goal to finish it before I leave this campground on Sunday. Uh, I do believe I will make that. It's supposed to be rainy today, so um, I'll probably be huddled under the gate tent or in the van reading most of the day today. But um, some of the chapters I read yesterday was talking about like the warriors versus the witches um and how by the time things started being written down um they were these hero epics and it didn't matter how disrespectful the hero was to the witch even if she was giving him something or uh prophesying for him so he could get prepared whatever there was this level of disrespect um, against the wise women. And often in these stories, which makes a lot of sense, the wise women are fighting the warriors, right? Um, As you would if you were wise. (laughs) Because wisdom would tell you that a society based on war is not sustainable. Okay, we got Mr. Like revving golf cart in the background. Sorry about that. But um, a society based on war is not sustainable. It's against all the traditional values of respect for the elements, respect for people's agency, the personhood of all things. Um, all of that gets wiped away in war. And if you're building a society based on war, then you are building a society based on violence, greed, domination, right? And 
the stories have spun the hero into these valiant, courageous warriors, but um, it's really propaganda because there's no way to have war and not just violate every spiritual principle that that is, right? I mean, war is hell. In times of war, everyone suspects everybody. Um, you get into this with us or against us mindset, um, which is the basis of like fundamentalism and dogmatism. Um, it just, it really is antithetical to all the val to, to all my values and all the principles and values that actually build a peaceful, harmonious, sustainable society. Um, so yes, of course the wise women would be fighting the warriors. Um, and it's, Dachau is putting forward that this is when um, the wise women went from goddesses to witches, right? Um, from fairies to demons. So it was this coupling of the warriors and the elite that built the base of the patriarchy. And there's this conversation I've been having with my father-in-law for several years now, and um, he talks about how he doesn't understand why they call it Western civilization because Greeks, Greek and Roman civilizations are basically just outcroppings of Mesopotamian civilizations. And so why do they call it Western? Because that's Near East, right? Um, and off the cuff, when we first started having this conversation, I, I said, well, that's when patriarchy got introduced. Um, but it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Like, is that really when patriarchy got introduced? And I'm beginning to wonder now, um, this may be my own sort of personal research project is to start kind of pulling on these threads of the hero epic. And I know that we have Gilgamesh, right? Was that Syria? Um, and it may be one of the older ones. Uh, so if this tickles your research bone, then please stay in dialogue with me about it. Let's, let's find this. But um, for several years now, I've been having, I've actually, it's closer to more than a decade, uh, maybe even a couple decades, I've been having problems with war language and war metaphors. Right, this kind of onward Christian soldiers or uh, righteous warriors, wake up warrior, right? The ancestral um, intensive that I was at in Decatur. Um, at the end, one of the facilitators wanted to sing the song Wake Up Warrior, and I'm just not comfortable with the war metaphors and the war language. And you know, if you're looking through source texts for a lot of the larger religions, then you see these warrior metaphors all the time. Um, in Christianity, right, there's that passage, is it in Acts or Romans, where 
you know, they're talking about the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of, and the sword and the belt. So basically you're dressing a warrior um, and they sort of identify each of the piece of, pieces of clothing um, in a certain metaphorical way. And um, I think whenever we're working, if we're working in the basis of metaphor, it doesn't matter where we think we have our sword pointed. Everyone points their sword in the way that they think is right. I mean, I really... I'm sure you could dig around and find somebody, um, but I, I really don't believe that people fight for things that they know are wrong. Um, there's a very few people that just want to fight and they don't really care, I guess. Um, but most people fight for what they think is right. But we're, if we're in this mindset of fighting when we're right anyway, then we're opening the door for all this darkness and egotism to come in and take hold. I mean, this is really the basis of dogmatism and fundamentalism. I'm right. You're wrong. I need to destroy you. Um, you're dangerous because you don't agree with me. Um, when you're in that space, you're going to have a much harder time respecting somebody's agency. It is a, it is based on domination which is a violation of the principles of respect and honor and respecting all people that's humans and non-humans alike, agency and personhood. Um, and it's so easy for the ego to get in there, right? Can you see that? How we puff up our chest with righteousness when we think we're in that space and um and now suddenly anyone that doesn't agree with us isn't worth as much as we are and maybe they're even dangerous it is a i mean they they really used story to do this paradigm shift because when the the warriors started rolling in. They're, they're not coming in for the peasants and the common folk. Those wars are fought then, as they are now, for the rich. And these penitences that the, you know, the bishops and the cardinals and stuff were writing in the, through the 700 through uh, 1100s, and uh, Dashiell goes over them extensively in her book, you know, um, and I've talked about this before too, right? They were outlawing things like walking in the woods if you didn't have work to do, um, sitting by a creek for a long time, sitting under a tree for a long time. All of these things became basically illegal. Um, and these penitences were used to, I mean, they were sort of the lead up to the Inquisition, right? Um, and they were really, like the word heathen, comes from those living on the heath so it, which was out in the countryside so this was really aimed at people in the countryside um, who held on to the old ways and continued goddess worship and animistic practices and maintain uh, rel uh, relationship with their ancestors all the things that the church opposed because um, because it 
gave authority to things outside the church, right? Um, couldn't be having that. So, you know, you were only supposed to pray in a church with a priest. Uh, you're not supposed to pray at the river with your ancestors. Um, because maybe your ancestors can tell you something that the priest doesn't. And how can the priest be a good mouthpiece for the elite if you're over there talking to the river about what she wants instead of what the priest is telling you? Because the king told him to. So, um, there were these penitences that were written and they would take them around to the countryside and, um, you know, have these interrogations to see whether people were still adhering to the old ways or not. Um, and they had the hardest time getting the peasants and the bondmaids and the farmers and this kind of stuff to switch over because what's in it for them? Not much, honestly. Um, which is why they moved into more violent means of um, forcing the Christian ideology on people. Um or, and particularly the Catholic Church's interpretations of the teachings of Jesus, which had very little to do with the actual message of Jesus. But, um, yeah, so seeing this sort of like crystallize and coalesce today, my call and awaken for myself again because um, I have these moments where I'm very conscious of it and then other times where I um, where I kind of forget for a while, you know. And I was raised in this really fundamentalist environment, so that I definitely have a baked-in tendency for the us versus them and the righteous warrior kind of mentality and this kind of stuff. I'm definitely, you know, got fire in the heart, that kind of stuff. So I do have to watch myself with it. Um but I think now more than ever, it's easier for us to look around at the society around us and see how important it is that we drop these metaphors of war and look for other metaphors. And I do believe that we need to strive and be very clear and discerning. Um, I think the struggle is real. And... Um, and clearly danger is present, right? But there are other ways to handle danger than getting into warrior mode. Um, and, you know, if we look at these hero epics, and, and like Beowulf, right? So um, there was another book that I read when I was, when my knee gave out and I was laid up in Queens. Um what was it? I'm probably going to misdo it now, but I can find it and put it in the show notes. Um, it was something about uh, ghosts, ancestors, and something else. The thinning veil of the pagan mind. Um, and so they were t revenants. They were talking about revenants and ghosts and ancestors and like these hauntings and things like this stories about hauntings and ghosts that were coming. And this again is at this transition time as Christianity is starting to come in. Um, and the traditional values were being violated. So there was a lot of spirit activity and, um, 
after going through the book and sort of like enumerating these different kinds of uh, specters and revenances and ghosts and this kind of stuff, um, he analyzed Beowulf and posits that uh, Grendel and Grendel's mother are revenances, right? They're ghosts that are coming back because something has been violated. And if we think, you know, Beowulf is the oldest story in English language and culture, and it's a hero's epic, right? So um, same thing Dashiell talks about with uh, the way that Odin became the primal, like the, the, the primary god, because that wasn't traditionally the case. And there were a lot of places where Thor remained um, the primary god. But Odin was the warrior, right? And suddenly the goddesses aren't talked about as much or they become subservient to Odin. Um, so that space where the patriarchy is able to get in and take hold and begin twisting these things... is is within those hero epics, right? This really was the tool that was used. So let us watch our story diet. Let us pay very close attention to the metaphors we use, the stories we watch, the way we're framing how we see these things. Um, because those stories of the, the big battle, and there's a lot of them right now, right? Um, it seems like the superhero movies are getting bigger and bigger and there's more and more, um, characters that are being called in and Christianity has the same kind of thing in Revelations. Um, the battles get bigger and bigger and bigger and, you know, for those that have done um, a fair amount of, like, spiritual work, you start seeing that if you start going to battle with stuff, you know, you go in and you're going to kick this whatever, kick cancer's ass, kick addiction's ass, kick, you know, uh, whatever part of you that you're not accepting at the moment. So you go in there and you battle with it and you defeat it, but then the next thing comes and it's bigger than the one before. And you defeat that, and then the next thing comes and it's even bigger than the one before, right? Um, I'm sure there's a lot of you listening that can totally relate to this. And, uh, you know, when I, again, that miserable depression in the Netherlands, as I was flinging open all these spiritual doors, desperately trying to climb my way out of this depression, I, I noticed that if I was in battle mode, um, the monsters just kept getting bigger and the justifications to defeat them kept getting more wild, right? And when I saw that they just were getting bigger and bigger, it was like the Hydra, you know, you cut off one head and two heads emerge. Um, when I saw that that's what was going on, then I realized, okay, I need to take a step back because I don't want to do this. I don't want to spend all my time fighting the next big monster. 
I need to find another way to do this and recognize the way that I was creating that situation. And again, not that there's not real monsters out there and things that are very dangerous um, and that there needs to be discernment and there needs to be very clear boundaries and those boundaries need to be maintained and protected. Um, But I realized how I was feeding into that frame and started looking for a different way. And I did not understand boundaries and uh, my discernment was not that great. Um, So I I had problems then. Um, I've made it through and I'm very grateful for all the helping spirits that helped me with that Um, and the people that came along the way human and non-human alike but um, circling back to that again and especially in the frame of the world that we're living in right now I think it's of crucial importance that we begin to root these stories out of our own psyches that we begin shifting that paradigm away from war away from the hero's journey Um, and shifting into a paradigm that recognizes that this is one the whole planet is one organism and we are part of it and we need to find a way to return to harmony I believe finding the way to return to harmony within ourselves is, you know, going to be that first step to return to harmony with the natural world that we are part of, as opposed to seeing as something that we we're here to dominate, right? Again, there's that war, those war values, um, and learning to be in harmony with each other as human beings. And for a lot of people, it's going to mean having good fences, right? Um, staying in our territory, stay, stay in your lane. Um, it doesn't mean we're going to be everybody's best friend. And that's okay. We don't have to be everybody's best friend. But we do need to find a different way to live within our skins and on this planet. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for listening. If you're not already, subscribe to the podcast. That way you can get episodes as soon as they're released. If you'd like more information about my van build or travels to get my feet in soil to hear what she has to say, then go on over to www.witchyways.com. That's spelled with a Y instead of an I. And got to be weird and wild about it, you know. So may your heart, mind, eyes, ears, and life be open to the magic and connection that surrounds us all the time. Blessed be.